trainers to the Tips for Treats Dog Training Podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Weininger, a CPD TKA that's going to help you along your training journey by diving into some of the learning theory and strategies that I and other pet professionals use to help people and their pups all over Houston. Whether you're an impending dog owner, looking to mix up your existing training routine, or just want to know more about what it's like to work with dogs, there's something here for you. So in this week's episode, we're going to be talking about uh, anxiety and anxiety in dogs is something that I think has been discounted uh, quite readily over the years. And, you know, thankfully, more recently, it's been something that's been talked about more and more and now is being addressed more and more as the root cause of some of the issues that, you know, you might have with a dog in the traditional home environment. As it seems like the root of a lot of the most frustrating problem behaviors that you see in the house, whether that's destructive behaviors or loud disruptive behaviors, um, in a lot of cases, you know, overexcitement slash anxiety is going to be something that, you know, probably is playing a huge factor there. Uh, the thing with dogs is that, you know, anxiety um, is really just a, a know a stone toss away from excitement for most dogs and even when it seems like everything in the environment is you know positive and doesn't seem threatening and you know you're trying to be as inviting as possible uh, it's still perfectly likely that the dog is experiencing some kind of anxiety about whatever it is they may or may not want to do and not being able to stop and identify that can be a huge obstacle in trying to actually address the problem and actually change that behavior uh, long term. Now, not only is anxiety going to play a factor with unwanted behaviors, but it's also going to play a factor with impulsive behaviors um, in different situations where uh, we got really anxious. And so rather than waiting for direction from you or letting things play out, uh, the dogs decided to go for something and just try something uh, in the hopes that it's going to yield a decent outcome. And so in those situations as well, the idea is that, you know, without being able to identify that the anxiety itself is playing the largest factor in that moment, uh, it can be hard to you know go about changing how the dog responds to that situation. And of course, being able to identify what exactly is causing the anxiety for the dog. Maybe it's something that you're doing. Maybe it's something that is in the environment, uh, wherever you are, you know, working with the dog in that moment. Uh, it could be, you know, different sensations that the dog is experiencing, and that's why, you know, for example, every trainer should be out there recommending that. You know the issues first make sure that you know the dog is healthy all of the medical needs are being met and rule that out first as a root cause of a potential behavioral issue as we all know those classic tropes of you know the big scary lion uh, acting all mean until you know you realize he just has a splinter in his nail and now all of a sudden he's really nice right now that's that goes over really well but you know the the basic theme there actually can be very true for dogs where something you know small going on physically could easily be playing a huge factor in how they are responding 
uh, and what their behavior looks like in any given situation. And getting into some more specific types of anxiety, obviously separation anxiety is a big one in that, you know, it's one of the most obvious, it's one of the most easy to see in that uh, in a lot of cases, it's something that we see as a result of circumstance. You know, obviously we would all like to stay at home and be with our dogs forever, but that's not reality. Uh, and so, you know, when we inevitably leave or we inevitably have to get other things done besides give this dog our focus. Uh, what we see is that you know it induces a level of panic not being around you not knowing exactly what to be doing on their own uh, whether they're confined or not uh, you know they are uncomfortable in the situation knowing that you're not there as an option to you know guide them or give them some kind of feedback uh, and you know that in particular is one that leads to a lot of unwanted behaviors where you see a lot of destructive tendencies whether that's to try and escape the household uh, so you get a lot of scratching at the doors or uh, destruction of blinds um, but you can also have that on the extreme side you know a lot of panting a lot of um, you know physical actions of jumping on furniture or trying to jump over things breaking things things that can actually start to escalate into the realm of being pretty dangerous for an unsupervised dog uh, and so you know being able to call out that hey this is separation anxiety this dog obviously struggles with being um, alone doesn't know how to handle that that time alone and so you know that's going to be what I have to focus on first everything that you know I do training wise is going to focus on trying to help that that problem knowing that that's the root cause of all those unwanted behaviors and that's to say that you know if the dog is scratching things when you're away uh, but not when you're there there's very few things that you're going to be able to do while you're there that doesn't treat that root cause that induces the the same state of mind where the dog feels it it's even necessary to engage in that bad behavior right uh, so you can do a lot of desensitization um, to the front door if the dog likes to scratch at the front door but if the, the scratching only ever happens when you walk out of the room then you know the time alone is what the dog is struggling with not you know the act of scratching at the door or, or you know the negative uh, environment that that creates is be there um, and whatever negative thought I can kind of you know maybe implant in his mind if I wanted to go that route that you know something bad's gonna happen if you keep scratching at that door the best thing I could really do is just convince him that me going out that door and him being by himself is just not the worst thing in the world and that you know there are other options and other things that you can do to engage your you know mind and you're not going to feel so much panic just from watching now you're not fixated on the fact that you're alone you're occupying your mind doing all these different things that we've practiced you doing on your own and uh right walk out the door that all being said, it can be just as challenging to manage your dog's anxiety even when you're with them, right? And not being fully aware of all the different ways that you might be contributing to the anxiety unintentionally. Um, and that's probably the hardest part for you know new people coming into a, a that realization that 
you know their behavior has that much of an impact on what the dog is doing and what they're feeling you know just throughout the day and on a day-to-day basis um, there's a bunch of good examples of you know, little actions and little setups that you know the dog's behavior starts to become predictable uh, to a frustrating extent uh, and that can be even more challenging to try and you know overcome assuming that it's already something that's become so ingrained while we're out on leash for example um, it's very easy to see with reactive dogs that are barking lunging at other dogs or people or kids or anything like that to see that that is coming from a place of anxiety uh, and that's something that you know they kind of maybe started uh, when they were younger when they had those first couple opportunities and then your response in that moment played a factor as well where because they responded so intensely you maybe responded very intensely and tightened up on the leash and so as a result next time you were kind of expecting that to happen and so you tightened up on the leash again when the dog saw another person or another dog for the next time and as a result the dog kind of recreated that same first encounter now we maybe have two or three of those and we're in a place where we have a environmental or habitual response to you know those certain triggers and depending on you know the exact nature of those first few encounters uh, it could easily be a situation where because of how you respond and you know how those other dogs are behaving uh, we're in a situation where we're just super anxious we're super caught up and we couldn't possibly focus on you know our owners in that moment we're so hyper focused on what we're you know engaged with uh, over committing uh, if you will so knowing that we want to be in a situation where even in those worst moments the dog's able to redirect back to us it's important to practice those kinds of habits and that muscle memory uh, in a different environment at a further distance from those triggers so that we're not flooding them and creating such an ingrained habit that it takes even more time and even more desensitization and counter conditioning and reassociation uh, in order to kind of overcome you know and play with the dog and try and get them to be excited about something or uh, just trying to you know maintain a type of energy that you know is encouraging a bunch of interaction and exploring the world um, it can just be the unfortunate side effect that we end up unintentionally hyping them up hyping them up you know they get to that high arousal place where dogs start to make bad decisions and that's when we start to see those new habits form just because of the circumstances that we might have participated in creating uh, in those first few opportunities. So the good thing is, is that there's plenty of things that we can do about it, right? Uh, as I mentioned before, um, the first thing that I really want to do is make sure that there's not a medical need. Uh, and what that is usually going to require is a trip to the vet. At the very least, uh, you may need to do a bit of research in order to see if you know separate from the just run-of-the-mill clinics um, if there's a full veterinary hospital that might be more appropriate um, to make sure that they have the ability to prescribe and diagnose everything properly um, there's certain as much time as possible 
trying to break down those situations where I feel like anxiety is playing a role, uh, or at least potentially playing a role. What could be some aggravating factors? Is it the speed at which something is happening? Is it the volume? Is it too close? Uh, should I create some separation? Is it something where if I'm in a multi-dog household, I should do with each dog individually or the two calmer dogs or the two older dogs, etc., etc. I want to look for as many of those different situations that we've kind of struggled with and see if there's anything that I can do better or differently. And better meaning maybe there's, again, something I can do slower. Differently meaning maybe there's just something I got to do completely differently in order to just provide a calmer, more predictable, and steady experience for the dog in order to prevent those same kinds of triggers. Probably the last thing that, you know, comes to mind when it comes to, you know, trying to reassociate all the different things in our different environments to make sure that they aren't potential triggers is taking the time to manufacture those opportunities rather than waiting for real life opportunities only in order to try and make them training moments just by manufacturing the situation and by that i mean i just want to create a practice situation i want to create a way to get as close to that real life situation without pushing myself to the point where i'm not in as much control of the variables and if the dog starts to fail or i start to get frustrated it's actually harder for me to recover uh, and get out of that situation. And as a result, maybe those bad behaviors end up reinforcing themselves. Uh, and what this might look like is for dogs that are very anxious or over stimulated by the sound of dogs barking. Uh, there's videos on YouTube that are named and designed specifically to catch your attention and let you know that they can be used to help desensitize your dog to those kinds of sounds. And by doing it with something like on your phone, you know, I'm able to control the volume so that A, they're not seeing a dog, so we're able to maybe cut off that visual component, and B, I can control that volume and distance. Uh, I can also simulate it being in another room, different situations like that where, you know, I can get as close to that real life situation while also maintaining some control over those variables to ensure a really smooth process so that I'm never flooding the dog, which will then have the adverse effect. Well, that's all for this week. Just remember that you can always find me at trickfortreattraining.com, on Instagram at trickfortreattraining, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash trickfortreattraining, all of those with the number four. You can find this podcast on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast, sign up for the notifications, and leave me a rating, as it really goes a long way in continuing to help me reach more people, and I always appreciate more feedback. Until you hear from me next time, I've been Stuart, you've been awesome, and thanks for listening.